Hello. Hello and welcome to Ozark. Welcome to actually Ohio. And welcome to actually Cinema Q. And We're pumped you're here, guys. And we are getting to our full, full episode. episode of Ozark. Full episode of Ozark! <laughs> we have, <gasps> my notes folder is overflowing with I wrote so a book. many things. I wrote a book. <laughs> I lied to the people right there, but I felt like I could. I'm pumped. We are going to spoil seasons one, two, three, and four in this episode. So if you have not seen Ozark on Netflix, stop. Go binge it. it. Go, go, go binge it. Go. And then go watch. Yeah. Okay. Ready? Welcome to Cinema Q, where we chat all things film and faith through our lens of storytellers and as a creative married duo. I'm Ian McHugh, filmmaker, actor, and writer with over 10 years in the industry. And I'm India, photographer and actress. Together, we discuss the art of filmmaking and review what we're watching, all to discover what should go next in your Cinema Q. Let's do it. Let's go. All right, babe. We're here. We're talking about Ozark. I'm sweaty already. Fun fact, I actually vacationed in the Lake of the Ozarks in Missouri once. And when we watched this show, I kept being like, I was there. I jumped off a little dock. It does I went seem to the blue a little suspicious sometimes. <laughs> I was literally like 14 on my friend's family vacation. Shout out to the strikers. They were like, hey, you should come with us to hang out. Did you launder money and in hide Ozarks. money in weird places? And no, I remember like we got super... You didn't get involved in the Mexican drug cartel? Not this time. We got super bad like sunburns because we were laying on those rafts out in the Ozark sun for a long time and we would just jump off this little dock. It was super fun. I can't even like remember what the cabin looked like we were in, but it was enjoyable. But then after watching this show, I was like, there's no way in heck I would vacation in the Lake of the Ozarks. Yeah. If I had one choice of a place to film, because I write most of my short films, feature films around water. And that's true. And it's just like a concept that scares me and I love and I write about it. And it's like impacted my life in a lot of ways. You address and what so you're scared of. If I were to write a show, it would be called Ozark and it would star Jason Bateman. Like this, <laughs> this is the show that I wish I wrote. Yeah, it is true. It's like very much your style of cinematography and acting Story. level. Yep. Yeah, totally. And I would probably leave some stuff out. I have trouble writing um, some of the harder parts to watch of this, but guys, Ozark's incredible. So I hope you listen to our kernel and yeah, tune in for this episode as we dive into four seasons of one of the best shows ever And made. we've never done that before. We've never, like we did Wednesday, but there was only one season mm -hmm. and the kernels that I did on Ginny and Georgia and Bridgerton, like were less than two seasons worth of content. So this is our first one. So have a little grace. There's truly so much to cover that we decided we're not going to do the four points in the same structure. We all have, we have more than four points each, but we don't want to bore you either. Yeah. It's going to be more of just an organic conversation through the seasons and whatever topics come up, but we are not going to be able to cover everything that goes on yeah. with this, but welcome to cinema Q as we try our best to dissect four seasons of Ozark. All right. Oh my so, gosh. Let's just do it. To start this off. Can I, can I just give one of my yeah. points that will kind of lead in into why we're having this discussion instead of points, if you will, is the, something that I appreciate about this story and Stranger Things had a very similar concept is that they they had one story, one goal, right? Yes. And so I don't know if this was one of something that you were talking about, but what I absolutely love and why I think why I think this show is effective is because they got into a situation, had a goal, and yes, that goal developed and changed. 
but it's not like they accomplished it and then just struggled for some kind of storyline yes. to put back into the world. And that's when shows collapse. Like, I mean, yes. we saw it with Riverdale and we saw it with Outer, Outer Banks. Banks. And, and so like, not to spoil those things, Awkward. we might talk about those eventually, but I feel like eventually the story changed, the objective changed, the goal of all the characters changes in those bad ones that kind of fall off as seasons go on. But this one, they really honed in and focused on it. And I feel like every single thing that was added in through all four seasons was for the same story it with an intentional natural. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It was a natural development and they knew where they wanted to end it and they went for that. And that's what I think makes this so strong. And so that's why our conversation is going to be more just organic about the whole story because it all matters together. Can you tell we're excited? <laughs> <laughs> okay. I completely agree. Everything did feel really natural, which was handled just like, I think that's a you know thumbs up for the direction and the producing of it, like very well done. But I'm sure if you're watching this, you're either swearing that you're never going to watch Ozark or that you have and if, you've seen it all. If you watched it, you're probably swearing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of language. But basically the premise that I kind of summarized is like moral compromise after moral compromise. That's kind of what the Bird family is going through. That's how they kind of get roped up in this situation. It's like, here's this thing that sounds good. Um, you're like basically Marty Bird's work partner kind of ropes him into this. Let's launder money for this drug cartel. Our job is easy. We're just going to fudge the numbers and have this kind of front of a business. And then in the end, we'll be rich. Very quickly, pilot episode, that plan falls away. Marty very quickly is like, uh, I have to figure out a way to not die right now because the drug cartel is mad. Kills my business partner. Because the business partner was skimming off the top and pulling money yes. in for himself. So now Marty is the guy in... Oops. <laughs> Marty is the guy in charge of running this Mexican drug cartel and making sure it goes smoothly, that he's laundering money, and that the government and his family doesn't both collapse. So lots of pressure in the first pilot episode. And then you kind of see him very level-headedly try to choose the right thing in the wrong situation time and time again. Once he got into the mud, he's like, okay, now I'm here. So how do I make decisions to, to live Yes. to continue to protect my family and stuff like that. That is another moral compromise. And so it's like, you're rooting for him, but he's doing bad things, but for the right reason. And it invites you into that same moral complex of just like how the complexities of just human existence and what we're willing to do to protect those that we love. And so that's like, it's a very family oriented movie or show. Well, and yeah, without it being for families at all. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not made for families, but the story of the Bird family. Yeah. is so deep. Well, here's one of my first points to talk about is the very first episode we see that Marty and Wendy are the husband and wife duo and their marriage is not working out because Marty finds out Wendy is having an affair. So we're and Marty kind of also brought the family into a Mexican drug cartel. Totally. And so it's like, but we're thrown into this scenario, just like dropped in. And typically when family is the theme, it's like family overall, like I'm going to fight for our marriage. I'm going to fight for our kids. And in this one, he's like, I'm mad at you. My wife cheated on me, but I'm like, not going to, I don't hate you enough to let you die. Mm -hmm. And then she, in that same context, starts originally hating him and is resentful. She's like, how dare you get us in this situation? You're going to get us all killed. This is insane. And then through the four seasons starts to not only grow 
as his business partner, but then gets greedy and is like power hungry and is Mm -hmm. now like, actually, we can make this work for us. Actually, we're top dogs. And you see her character change and develop. Very interesting. Both of the parents have the priority of protecting their kids. So they have two kids, Jonah and Charlotte. Charlotte. And Charlotte's the older sister. And their goal is to like protect the kids and get out of the Mexican drug cartel. They don't want to be in the cartel anymore. They're trying to escape, but that's super hard to do. And so through the four seasons, you see both of the parents making decisions, sometimes against each other, but for the same purpose of protecting the kids, usually. And then Wendy goes on a power trip, and Marty Bird is a very smart man. Like, he plays just like a normal guy, but he's very intelligent on on just like figuring out situations, understanding circumstances, and what to do to get out of it. And so the decisions, like sometimes they have to come together, and sometimes they have to go apart, but never do they really wish death upon the other right and they're forced together in partnership and friendship at certain times even when they don't want to be and then at even times when they're divided and they're like fighting against each other they still have the same goal of protecting the kids in yes. mind and so the complexities of that dynamic of a family absolutely intensifies every scene because sometimes the kids rebel sometimes they want to be all about it and jonah wants to learn how to launder money and so at a young age he's learning to do it. he's probably like 12 in the first season yeah and charlotte's like 16 getting her driver's license you know and and so it's it's wonderfully written and beautifully written about the honest complexities of a family dynamic especially one that's put into a crazy situation such as this yes another thing about family that i wanted to mention is extreme poverty and desperation this is one of those weird examples where I think we're seeing this kind of middle class fancy or high class. I mean, they're like the birds are not like completely middle class. He's a high end accountant. Yeah. And her Wendy's kind of uh, plot line was that she was on the Obama campaign in, in a political role. Yeah, So she's kind of high up in the politics, especially campaign raising and all yeah. that stuff. Like so financials. they go from this like kind of upper middle class bracket to acting out of desperation as if they were in extreme poverty but then masking as if they're still right where they as used to be. As if they're angel investors and And how many business times owners. do we see this keeping up with the Joneses facade in real life? Mm-hmm. How many times do we see people who are really like absolutely not doing well and instead of admitting like, hey, I need help or I'm going to drop the facade and stop like pretending like life is great. They're just like trying and digging into debt and digging into these weird life scenarios just to make it appear like they're doing okay. And so I just think it's this very interesting thing when we see the Bird family, you know, having their kids tape money and put it in the back of a building and get involved in money laundering at such a young age when they're like not desperate for finances themselves, they're desperate for their lives. And then in the opposite, you have the Langmores, Ruth's family, and they are just actually desperate. They're not trying to appease a drug cartel. They're trying to find their next meal. They're trying to stay alive. They're trying like mm. and I just think it's a very interesting kind of dynamic to see in film. I don't know how yeah. many times I've seen that similar thing. Like a comedic version would be Schitt's Creek, where like the ultra rich is like brought down to a lowly typical farm town. But this is very different. And I think it's kind of a unique expression of like desperate choices and how people choose things. So that's the exact word right there is desperate. That's exactly what I was about to say is the Marty. So the bird family is so desperate that they feed on desperate people to reach their goals. So there's yes. a struggling you know, bar and grill type thing called the blue cat. 
and they like he's an angel investor in that company there's a strip club that he invests in well even that he says i'm an angel investor that's how he's pitching it savior complex right well it's also just the like manipulation of marketing Mm -hmm. instead of being like i'm actually extremely desperate and there's a mexican drug cartel that's going to kill me Mm -hmm. if i don't launder money he's like i'm an angel investor so yeah he he found ruth langmore who comes from a desperate family and the blue cat, the strip club, the um, the where people die and they get buried in the oh, they buy like a cremation, like a funeral, home. yeah, like a funeral, home, yeah. funeral home, thank you. And and so he he feeds on people's desperation in their desperation, and is willing to like walk over people that he fakes to care about to like accomplish his goal of protecting his family and saving them their own. But along the way he does grow to care about most of them. Absolutely. Because we're humans. (laughs) Oh, there's so much here. And it's like, you can't something else I'm going to mention in here is the use of life and death and how unique it is because I was doing research and there's 14 major character deaths out of four seasons And like, that's not including all the side characters. I mean, there's probably like 20 or 30 total, Um, but 14 major characters who have real dialogue and roles that you could recognize. And I was just noting how sometimes we talk about multiverses and like the way that we think cinema cheapens life and it gets kind of annoying. Like, oh, the bad guy's brains blew out. Uh, He deserved it. It's like, actually, no, child of God. (laughs) Like people don't deserve death we can't play god we can't choose who gets to live and who doesn't like jesus died for all people all people have that opportunity to get to know him and who are we to say like whether you're unborn or on death row that it's your time to go anyway this show handles it so interestingly because sometimes i was like that's a meaningless death someone blew someone's brains out for no reason and granted i will like say it's it is hard to watch some of the times when there was like on-screen death i was like oh Avert the eyes. Like, that's not good. But other times, thinking specifically of Darlene Snell, the older kind of protagonist of the the hillbilly town. Protagonist? Antagonist. Sorry. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) I did not like her. She is the, what's that pink lady in Harry Potter 5? Oh, Dolores Umbridge. She's the Dolores Umbridge of the... Totally. mm, Don't Don't you hate it when you have two antagonists coming at the main people? That happens here so much. But she kills her own husband and then turns around and says, I would like to adopt baby Zeke because I've always wanted a kid. They cut out of the mother's stomach. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I have a full opinion on the way they do life and death, but I was just struck by some people they would fight and protect the lives of the bird kids. And Marty would fight and protect for Ruth multiple times. And Ruth sacrifices her uncles, literally electrocutes her own uncles because she has compassion for Marty Bird, the stranger who's using her. So it's like life and death, life and death. And then when it comes to something like that, like this lady kills the baby's mom, cuts the baby out of her. I know it sounds like so disgusting. And then kills her own husband and then turns around and is like, I want to adopt that baby. Mm-hmm. It's just so intriguing. And I think we do that a lot in society where we decide not to get like too political, but we do decide like things like abortion, things like death row, things like gun control, like, oh, I'd rather this freedom than protecting these lives. Or I'd rather this 
I don't know, like insane idea of freedom. It's not even real freedom. It's like, I'm scared of the alternative. It's a compromised freedom to protect yeah. yourself against what you're more scared of. When again, like all life is very valuable in the eyes of Jesus. I mean, that's Jesus. what God says. It's Imago Dei, right? We're made yeah. in the image of God. We are, we are his beautiful, intricate design that he loves and died for. Every single one of us. Like if you're watching, like he did that for you, no matter what your story is, no matter if you believe in him or not, he still loves you. Yeah. The other thing on the life and death topic that's like one of the biggest issues, struggles, complexities of the show is Wendy is trying to keep her family alive and her brother comes into the picture. Her brother has severe... That's beginning of season three, I believe. I think so. He has severe bipolar... His um, name is Ben. And yeah, bipolar disorder. Yes. He... Is on meds and he's doing all right. But he's such a sweetheart guy. He starts he's to... He's uncle to the kids. Yeah. He starts to have a relationship with Ruth. They get involved. And, and he's like a really good uncle to Jonah. Jonah really attaches yeah. to him. Ugh, it's so hard just to talk about. So he's like involved and then kind of is finding out what is going on. I don't think he ever fully knows, but he's like catching on that they're in trouble. And he kind of goes after Helen, who's the drug cartel's like... Lawyer. lawyer who comes to visit the birds and he's going after her and threatening her you guys have watched this you know yeah yeah you know, yeah. but i'm know. just like summarizing yeah he's like adamant on protecting wendy and then realize he doesn't realize that he's putting her in more trouble and so basically the cartel's like we're gonna kill him and wendy's like no 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 let me handle this let me like figure this out and she basically sets it up for him to get killed and drops him off somewhere and kind of tips off the cartel on where he is and so the sacrifice of own family f- to save family. Yes. And the whole issue there with, you know, the way that they played with um, mental disability and like the value of his life and saying, well, he's unhinged. So but then they also show Wendy dealing with that trauma, knowing that, you know, if he goes free, he's going to rat out my whole family and we're all going to die. Or if I tip off the cartel he's going to die and I'm going to have to live with it knowing that I basically put him in the hands of someone who was going to kill him. And again, moral dilemma, moral compromise, like issue after issue. You should never have to be in that situation, but it's a chain reaction at this point. Mm-hmm. Like they're too, the ripple effect, they're right? too deep. They can't back out. So she's making four people's lives versus one person's life. And ugh, it's how I feel. Make those decisions guys. Like, you it's, know, you felt that when you were watching of just like, no, don't do it, but you yeah, have to, but I don't ugh. understand, but I don't want you to. But it's how I feel about war. It's like, we should never be in these situations where we're saying, oh, if you have an IQ that's high, you're going to be in the back of the line. But if you mm. have a low IQ, you're going to the front. Like which, we should never which governments gamble. governments do say that at times of, with life. Yeah. They just gamble life. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's my soapbox. So, yeah. I'll, I want to backtrack. It's, it's along the same point, but I have a couple of things to speak to that yeah. um, about life and death in this is one of the things that is beautiful about this story is no one is inherently good, mm. but you're still rooting for people. And so both for bad guys and good guys, quote unquote, the protagonists, the antagonists is you get to learn the good and the bad of all of them. A lot of times in like the Marvel movies, you'll see the villain and they're like, this one thing hurt me in my past. But in this story, like from Helen, the lawyer, lawyer, to Ben, to Marty, to Wendy, to the cartel leader, to 
I mean, whoever you meet in this show, you guys have seen this, that they let you know the humanity of them. The good things that they do are like their moral compromises and what they did to, you know, what kind of brought them to their place. You almost have sympathy for anyone that you come in contact with. Right. And, but it also lets you know the honesty of the sins and the bad that they commit. And that was one of the first I had experienced in a show. I mean, maybe Breaking Bad is a similar thing. Um, where I, I genuinely had an, an emotional, like there's a chance that this person could come to know Jesus or like have a redemption arc for every single person that I came in contact with in this show. Yeah. And I rarely experienced that because usually it's just good and bad and you know, right. who are the good guys and who are the bad guys right. and you're rooting for the good guys. But this one was like, everyone's human and struggling and sinful and in a mess. I think the word for Ozark is nuance. I mean, again, it's yes. like once you're morally gray, it's just nuanced from there on out. There's no right and wrong leveling it out anymore because every single person is like making huge, irreversible, sinful choices. And every single person also has a redemptive arc and has choices that are like good and godly. And so it's just, again, like the most human portrayal in a very intense, like dark context. Yeah, absolutely. And so the other part to this was when you're saying about the 14 main characters deaths is I never felt a loss for like, like you were saying about like, oh, that death. Oh, there they went. Nah, they got knocked right. off. Or they just, oh, I hope that person dies. And it's like, yeah, you dislike people. But there was never a death on screen that I was like rooting for. And yeah. every single one mattered. And so even though there were 14, it wasn't like Game of Thrones where it's just like, oh, I lost that person, lost that person. And or the walking dead. And death became like a norm. Yeah. It still felt like it had significant impact every time. And I was like, no, oh, why? And, and we were talking shocking. very briefly about the surprise. Typically, I feel like when we're watching cinema, you can kind of tell when a character's death is coming. They'll either like, foreshadow it in a specific way or kind of lead up in a scene and you're like mm, they're probably gonna die this show sometimes we would guess that but i think more often it was a very big surprise or very blunt on the screen like a scene's just happening and someone's brains gets blown out you're like whoa was not thinking that that was gonna happen or in ben's case and a few others you just never saw them actually physically die and it was like, did they pass away? So you're away? questioning of like, are, are they, they going to come back? Yeah. And I think they just handled that. That's just as like a mature decision of the filmmakers and the director of being able to say, at what point do we give too much? And at what point do we just let them guess? And leave some nuance, right? Right. And leave the sadness too. It was yeah. like, we never saw the pastor, like Pastor Mason's wife get sliced up. That would also be way too gruesome. But it just let us guess for a long a time. Baby's on the table all of a sudden yeah. after the threat of what was going is to she happen. Coming? Like what's happening? And then yeah. it's like, did she just give birth and they spared her, or did they actually follow through with their threat? The Snells. So Oof. that that kind of nuance just allows you to just lean in and be like, man, I, yeah, I don't know what to expect and I don't know how to feel. And I like cinema that does that for you so much. I have many other things. Keep going. Do you have anything? Go, baby. Okay. I'm just chatting. I'm just chatting. I, don't, I, don't, I mean, I have my points, but I'm not just going off of them because, I mean, yeah, because you guys have already watched this, you know, but I just love to kind of talk about the overall, man, how it yeah. just makes your heart feel while you're watching this and how to break it down afterwards and discuss it. So, yeah. So obviously, again, like we are trying to specifically talk about the gospel through our lens in cinema. This is one of those shows that I could see a ton 
ton of Christians being like, mm, why are you watching Ozark? <laughs> why would you ever watch it? And again, it has some nudity. That's not a huge theme, I would say. It has... Like the strip club and a couple like videos. That's true. I guess that is true. There's very rarely any sex scenes or anything like that. There's a ton of language. So I will say that, you know, that was pretty hard to hear at some points. Um, but I oh, wanted... they to, know. <laughs> I wanted to... Yes, I wanted to talk about language because... Again, I was hoping we get here. Yeah. Regardless of what you think as a Christian, like I will gladly say our opinion on language is like, it's not very uh, wise, I think, to throw it's, around a ton of... It's not of, always necessary. Yeah. Right? It's not or part wise. of our vernacular yeah. to like throw a ton of language. I said my language. first swear word when I was 24 <laughs> and I don't swear a lot, but like it was 24 when I said my first one. Um to my brother and a friend, I called him up just because I, I never said it. And for an <laughs> acting role, I had it coming up soon and I had to say something. So, yeah, I think it's interesting because when I was in high school, like swearing was like sin. Like that was synonymous with like, you're going to heck. sin. Like that is not good. You don't swear. That's a sin. And then in college, I was like, oh, wait a second. We created the English language we decided in this culture what words were good and bad and like language throughout time changes like paul in the bible says the word dogs and they're like oh like that's that's the worst thing you could call someone you know so anyway I mean, when he says your uh your good deeds are like filthy rags or whatever like the actual hebrew like equivalent there i believe is equivalent to our s word it's like even paul is like hey in serious Shiz. matters there's like there's like a moment and a time and a place possibly for some things and it's hard for me to watch shows and movies that is just unnecessarily thrown in there and doesn't add to the story at all. And I believe this is kind of where you're going with it. Yeah. Well, I was going to say like, basically, you know, as a Christian, I think a lot of people that I know will purposefully not watch certain shows or movies because of language. And they're like, Oh, language is bad and it's not clean. So we're not going to watch it. And I understand with kids around that can be a thing. Or if as an adult, that's your personal conviction. That's okay. Totally. But I will say that I think, a more educated and creative, a more educated and creative response is not how many swear words does something have, but rather what are they here for? What is it communicating? And can I see past a couple bad words that America decided were bad at some point and see the anger, the emotion, the feeling behind them? And so what I was going to say is yes, in a lot of cinema, it bothers me when it's just rated R for no reason other than they wanted to like put the F word in there, which I'm not going to say because I'm not going to make this an explicit podcast. I want mm. that little E here. Like, for example, Only Murders in the Building, I think is such a fun, charming, like murder mystery whodunit Until kind of. It's just like, why? Yes. I'm like, it doesn't add to the story. Why do I need all? to see Steve Martin just like screaming obscenities? It doesn't add anything except making sure that it's like leveled up higher as a adult only show. Other than that, it's just silliness. Yeah. But anyway, this show, there's a lot of that language, especially in Ruth's character. And I think it just adds to her desperation and her uneducated life. She's like very low poverty. She's very... Um, just kind of eager for people to take her seriously. And she's full of anger and rage. And rightfully so. A lot has been taken from her. People step on her all the time. And I think she has the most dramatic kind of character arc in the whole story. But her language, as annoying as it was sometimes to hear, I'm like, man, this is just like, oof, a lot of language to like listen and to consume. I also felt like 
I get her though because of it. I see her desperation. I hear her words being more unhinged because that's how she feels. That's how the world's treated her and how true to life is that. People sometimes don't have the creative vocabulary to really express their feelings. That's all they do have is a couple obscenities that they can throw around and say, this is how I feel. Someone noticed my pain. And I feel that with Ruth. Absolutely. And that's what I was going for. And I'm glad you touched on that because oh, wow. I do feel like the, it. I do feel like the language in this. And even though sometimes, yeah, I felt unnecessary. It was appropriately like proportioned for each character to who they were. So like Ruth swears a lot more than anyone sure. else because of that uneducatedness, because of her history, because of where she's born and raised, because of her circumstance, because of, like who she is, it was part of her character. And so even though I was like, man, that's not like that language isn't tasteful or creative. Um, I, I feel like it was well done because the the lead characters used it in like serious circumstances, sure. not just casually in conversation. It was like, oh, this is a big deal and this is life or death. And then Ruth's character, that was her constant. That was that was kind of a part of who she was. And you you felt that and, and you felt like it added into the characters and made them a little more who they were. And even though I don't love all of the language and I wish it wasn't all in there, I felt like this show handled it a lot better than just randomly throwing it in there. It was actually intentional with every most words that were written in for each character. Totally. And another point to that, though, that I was about to say is if, if you are having trouble watching this because you're a Christian, you're like, oh, I just can't get past every time I hear that. It just like my, my brain fogs up and I can't concentrate on the story and I can't appreciate the cinematography. I can't appreciate the acting. Like Jesus probably hung out with people that weren't, the cleanest with their language and the cleanest, like some of my good friends that don't know the Lord have crazy mouths when it comes to like what they speak about. And I need to be able to, as a believer, you know, sit with Jesus, get to a place where I can sit with those people and not judge them and, and be able to get past their language to be able to show them the love of Jesus. Totally. And, and so like, this could be a good practice for you in a safe environment of just cinema where no one's going to react to you of you being able to try to look past something that is a stumbling block for you and move forward into a space of sympathy and understanding someone's story and where they come from because Jesus loves that person just as much yeah. as they love you and love me and love India and maybe love Appa. I think maybe a little less. Buddy. He's not made in the image of God. Um, He's still a creation <laughs> and part of the created order. I do I do encourage you to go and, and, and if that is a stumbling block for you, maybe use this as a as you know uh, a, a bridge stone yeah. to get to that space where you can start to move past that barrier and understand people for who yeah. they are and love them where they're at well i was going to say something else on language it's a little different but it, the names of the characters i think are interesting and you might have more to say about this because you've studied a lot more of like writing scripts and naming and people developed a lot of characters yeah and, like and there's like a science to it and at least I'm always noticing there's a couple typical names, some classic names, and then a few that just stand out as like memorable. I think that's kind of the role. And to me, um, the last name Bird, you, you're not going to forget that. Mm -hmm. It's kind of interesting. It's simple. It's and it's symbolic mm -hmm. of always being flighty and yep. kind of always looking after your young, thinking about birds in a nest. Okay. Come on, everybody. Okay. And then Ruth's um, cousin, Three, is like the third child and they ran out of names. So they named <laughs> because them three. Because they were uneducated. Was right. Like Ruth, Wyatt. And, uh, Someone else on three. Well, that's two. We had a third. Wait, three. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's so interesting how each character's name, like 
not every single one of them like means something dramatic to the plot, but they're all memorable. I think it's easy for me to like watch a show and forget all the names of everyone. But I remember almost everyone's name. It kind of stands out like Darlene Snell. It right. sounds like someone who would sell heroin. He, and it is. She's slimy <laughs> like a snail. And Darlene. The, the name matches. Yeah. 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 And so even just someone as like third season Ben comes in. Mm-hmm. But it's, a classy name. it's it's like classic. He looks like a Ben and it's Ben. It's just Ben. Like all of them made sense. Yeah. Just the naming of the characters actually went a long way. Yeah. So it was interesting. Just talking about language, Wendy names. Bird. Wait, do your little <gasps> Ruth Langmore. Yes, you guys. I don't know if anyone else Without like slowly got more and more in character when you watched it. But okay. You haven't so, done this in months. No, but it was like Ruth's character was like. Oh, I don't even know. She was like Marty Bird. She's like Marty and your stupid wife Wendy. I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> she would just be like Marty Bird. <laughs> anyway, I just think it's so fun and funny, but it's Absolutely. not funny. It's not a funny show at all. It's very uh, serious. Except when that one lady gets hit by a dumpster truck. That was pretty, yeah, was pretty funny. Was pretty comedic. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Speaking of Ruth, my other thing to mention today. Wow, y'all, Ruth's character goes on the most dramatic transformation. It's the most lame story arc I've ever seen. Kidding! I Kidding. think it's one of the most brilliant journeys I've seen a character go on. She Absolutely. definitely starts as a lowly, desperate, do-whatever-for-a-quick-buck kind of gal, and then quickly becomes this, like, witty, ruthless, like, <laughs> don't ruthless. <laughs> Hardy, har, har. Um, I didn't even know you did that. Just, like, boss woman of, do not mess with her, because she will not be messed with. And to the point of sacrificing her uncles, her dad, her boyfriend gets killed, she, I mean, wow, like she loses so much, but I was Her just brother, struck by, yeah, Wyatt. she has just the biggest growth point, I think, of anyone in the whole show. And in that same vein, the most empathy I think I've had for like a fictional character in a long time of just watching her continually get life punching her in the face and she will like get back up and do what she has to do again not moral decision making like she's killed people she will sacrifice people throw people under the bus to get herself higher but thinking of if i was in that position of extreme poverty and like people are stepping on me over and over it's like what do you do just to be like you know i've had that like it's my time to do what i need to do to like stay alive and actually like thrive so it's just very interesting she gets betrayed. She loses literally everyone. And obviously to not spoil the ending because you've already seen it. Um, she mm. dies in the <laughs> end of season four. And I I thought it was going to be Jonah or Charlotte, but it was I did too. Her, which, was, here's, which was the right uh, writing. Here's why I was like grateful. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't, I'm not grateful that she died. It was heartbreaking. Here's why I think they chose that. I think an overarching narrative and theme of the whole show is that life sucks. <laughs> life sucks often for the people who are 
in that like lower socioeconomic bracket and you think of Wendy making political moves and trading and getting highbrow investors and you think of Marty swindling money and doing everything desperately to try to like play it cool while appeasing a drug cartel and, and also get the FBI off of his back. And so the everyone's making wrong choices. But for some stupid, twisted, sinful, messed up, broken reason, the the high the higher up people seem to make it out just fine with a with a slap on the wrist. Like the shoulder. birds, their whole family makes it out. The high political people tend to make it out. You know, they don't get they don't get in trouble. They don't lose their loved ones. They don't. The people underneath them yeah. are the ones that are sacrificed Ruth, along the way. And it's just such a ugh, like a heartbreaking parallel to real life where you see political powers, you see leaders of the world getting like a quick little like, no, don't do that. And then people get shot, people die, and we're like playing with their lives as if it was like something to discuss as a concept and not real humans. So... I think that's why they wrote it and that's why it was the right decision to like have her die because we would have these conversations of like, this is what it is. While this the is birds how. are literally at their foundation celebration. Yeah. 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 I mean, heartbreaking, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's kind of the, the intention of it. Yeah. So what I was going to say about Ruth as well is, and this, this goes into all the characters that are in the show is she quote unquote switches sides often. She's for the bird. She's against the bird. Well, she starts off against him, trying mm-hmm. to kill him. Literally almost kills him in a bathroom on an island. And then is for him and works for him. And then becomes a manager. And then runs the casino. And then is, you know, once the birds wrong her, she goes over to the other side. And then she's with them again. And then she gets Rachel and she's against them at the casino. And and all of that seems like wishy-washy of like, oh, it, it, she's just flip-flopping. And it's, but like, the writers of this of Ozark made it so believable of all the decision-making and the, the justification behind each character and why they made the decisions they did, no matter if they were for or against, like even when Jonah goes against his parents and works with Ruth and, you know, uh, launders money for her. And then, you know, Wendy's dad comes back into the picture and the kids want to move in with her. And at one point, Charlotte wants to, uh, what's the fancy word for like, I don't want my parents to be my parents, even though I'm a minor. Oh. Yeah. Um, just she wants to yeah. be her own yeah. adult. And and so like there's so much of that back and forth of like who do I trust? Who do I want to go with? What decision makes me want to trust which person? And it's so believable in this story that even though like people seem wishy-washy and flipping back and forth in their faithfulness and trust to people, all of it is so justified in this. Like I'm like I understand why they did that. Yeah. I understand why Ruth is mad at Marty, but I also understand why Ruth went back to trust Marty. And like, I, I, I just love the writing of this because it, it genuinely made me, it was believable. I guess that's the best way to put it is like in this, in this show, I, I think you guys can agree that people made the decisions they did. Like so often when I'm watching things, I'm like, oh, why did you make that choice? That was just dumb. But these ones are like, that was a dumb choice, but I see why you made it. Yeah. And like the our writers gave us enough, like, insight into why decisions were made and and i just love that because it made me just understand each character a little more care for them a little more and so then when the deaths happened or the the betrayal happened or whatever it was it it made it all the more just like i cared about these people yeah even though they're fictional what the heck i know and i think that's why this is ranked so high on my my list and why you should put it high up in your cinema queue 
is because it's rare anymore, especially with just people wanting to get the quick buck and write the next story and make the next superhero movie and just, you know, punch something out with CGI. I'm like, where's the story? This one has it. Yes. This one has the humanity written into it. Right. And even though like, I, I think you can, whether you're, you know, a drug member of a cartel or you're a business person or a lawyer or a politician or a redneck or a farmer or, you know, you have a heart problem and your buddy owning this house and just living in someone's like you can relate to somebody or if not all people in this because the human aspect is just brought into the writing. And I yeah. love that so much. And brought into the cinematography, which we talked about for a quick moment in our kernel. Go but watch that. just how every shot is thought out. Everything is intentional, foreground, middle ground, background. And they didn't do the story longer than they had to. No. It would have gotten yeah, worse if they I kept going. That. And they were like, we, we want to end it here. Right. And it landed to me. Yeah. I think it was because very I was heartbroken. succinct in the way yeah. that they told it. And each episode is longer. So it kind of gives you a moment to breathe through the drama. Mm-hmm. They didn't shorten it or shove it all in there. And it all was very purposeful. And there wasn't one episode that I was like, oh, that was the throwaway episode. Or, oh, that was the guest star episode. It was all very yeah. natural. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the actors were phenomenal. And I didn't know a lot of them. I didn't know Helen. I didn't know Buddy. I didn't know these people. Like, and I appreciate that they gave like the again just the human side of it to these people. Yeah, Helen. By the way, her as an actress is like um, dark and mysterious Jane Lynch, which is dark and mysterious yeah. Ellen. Yes. <laughs> <Not funny>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Helen is no, darker Jane is darker Ellen. No, that's exactly what I was thinking. Like, I mean, I know who some of them are, but like, it was just ah. Uh, so right. Good. Yeah. So it's just interesting. That was, that was funny. Yeah. I see that. Didn't and then Laura Linney, I always get her and Laura Dern confused. They I look the same. I always get Julie Garner and Julia Garner mixed up just because their names are the same. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's what I think about every time. But now Julia Garner is just, please be on our podcast. Basically, if Jason Bateman wants to direct anything else, I'll audition. I mean, I would gladly be a part of anything he was making because it's just very good. Yeah. And that was a pleasant surprise because like you said, it used to be, you know, into comedy and to lean into this role. Yeah. And even though rom-coms, like I was shocked that he was like out here making this. Yeah. And and his character, people could maybe argue it was not deep, but he played it so well because he had to be the steadfast, like I'm making a decision and moving forward with it or else like I die. And every character was well-developed and every person committed to that character so well that right. I just believed it. Right. And I was like, okay, that's just who he is. Like that's, that's who Marty Bird is. And so even though he's not incredibly, incredibly dynamic, the acting was phenomenal. He was consistent as Marty Bird throughout all of it. It's not like they just introduced new character traits to people. He's like, um, well, yeah, I guess if we just have to just smudge the numbers and we'll just, um, yeah, yeah, just shoot that on the so just kill and, and move then, on. Um, that'll be that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that, that was true. But then Wendy's like, oh, she went on this power trip, like, and it went crazy at some points, and she grew, and like every character was just true to who they were. I feel like the actors knew who they were supposed to be and grew yeah. with the show, and just kept it honest. And we started this episode talking about how the pilot starts with their marriage is like crumbling, mm-hmm. but isn't it interesting how we're dropped in on this thing? And again, oh, like think of the things that I'm just gonna like say Christians will look at and be like, 
here's your sin checklist. Are you married? Are you swearing? Are you, you know, we make these dumb boxes of things that we think have value and like, oh, if you're a good person or a bad person. And like I was saying earlier, we sometimes keep up with the Joneses and like mask certain things like, well, anyone could be laundering money behind the scenes, but at least they look great at that political event. But anyway, they start off with their marriage basically crumbling. And by the end, they're like committed to being married, whether or not from love, desperation or because they don't want it to look bad if they split. Mm hmm. But I think they actually do grow fonder of each other throughout the whole process. But again, like that idea of projecting something that's just not true. Like at the end, you see this family of four, strong and mighty, standing up at some political function, looking like the perfect American family. Meanwhile, there's 14 people that are murdered in relation to them and they don't give a flying fart. I, I mean, they do, but say. they were just like, like you know, is, to the public, has, at least they look good. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. just the and corruption that we cover up in the name of like looks whole whole sermon. right. But there. also that's what I'm going to say about like, I mean, it's cliche anymore to talk about how social media is a facade yeah. and, and the people that, you know, that are, oh, they have their life together or they, they have the better house or they have like y'all so many of those extras towards the end of the series that were at the fundraising events that were at the political events that were at all of these things. Uh, they probably looked out on the bird family and was like, wow, they have it. The, the American dream, the white picket fence, the golden retriever, the, all of that stuff. And in reality, they got four seasons of their backstory, you know, they don't. And so like walk into grace into relationships with people do not be jealous and envious of other people's stories and lives because Mm -hmm. you don't know what's, behind it and know. also you're not a lost cause of your story looks similar to theirs like jesus loves you there so yeah um like that's cool i can give a personal example okay okay Preach. literally we were shooting a wedding the other day and it was so beautiful and we were like you know looking good we had a covid wedding <laughs> we were like hair makeup everything good yeah. Looking fancy. My makeup looked great. Totally. I did not have makeup on. He had all his film gear there. I had all my photo gear there. We're shooting this wedding. And a lot of people that I went to high school with were there. And someone came up to me. It was like really, really sweet and genuine. And he's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm in the presence of a movie star. Because you just had your film. Yeah. And we're like, you know, with these fancy cameras, like doing our, our job. And I was like, oh my gosh, literally no. Because also... Within the last week, week, we had a car accident. Our house got broken into, and we had to pay. Three missing juveniles were arrested with guns in our backyard. Yeah, we we had had to to pay pay thousands of dollars in taxes because we run our own businesses. Our furnace went out. We had to pay other thousands of dollars. We had to, uh, like this year, we had to put a cat down. One of our good cats, our uh, little buddy. Yeah, so so I just thought it was so interesting that we had had literally. You haven't seen a lot of these. You went to school with a lot of them. You haven't seen them in a while. But But I think it's just like we have hell of a week like truly oh, now we got like, the explicit we got the little e on it now i don't think hell <laughs> I'm is I'm kidding. Keep it going. Explicit. hell is a proper noun <laughs> it's a place y'all stay away um <laughs> we had the worst week and i try to be honest about that on social media and like just let yeah. people know because i think that that's part of like helping tear apart these facades is yeah. just presenting a little honesty but at the same time, I'm not going to like beg for attention. I'd be like, oh my gosh, woe is me. Like, I mean, I cried in that video that you posted. Yeah, or whatever. But anyway, I just thought it was so comical that here this person is like admiring our life, 
praising us for what we're doing and assuming that I'm like some sort of, you know, local celebrity for having eight lines in a Indiana film. But again, it's that facade and it's also how we portray things. You can look for the good and lift up our opportunities and be like, I actually got to be in a feature film. I was a principal in a feature film. That's pretty cool. Or I could downplay stuff and be like, yeah, I don't really have much going on. It's just like on. I auditioned for all these other things and Nothing like, really I'm happens not this, to me. I didn't get that. It was a small and part. It was like a small part. Yeah, and it's it's a balance, right? Again, it is. of of being thankful and proud of what you've accomplished and what God has called you to, while also not leaving people out of your story. Yeah. And I just think like this show kind of talks about that in a in a very subtle way. It's definitely not a main theme, but since you brought up social media, just how often do you personally you know, kind of cover up everything that's going on in your life in the name of like, well, I want people to think that I'm cool and famous and successful. When in reality, if you really need a friend, just be like, um, I could use some help. I'm hurting. Yeah. I don't want to lie online just to make myself look cooler. Yeah. We were even talking about this earlier about like... Be bigger than that. Yeah. <laughs> so many so many people are like, oh, I have more uh, authenticity. Like I have more weight with my words because of my follow number like oh, my yeah. number of followers and it's like actually like it doesn't matter where you're at on people's social scale like you matter and your story matters and so like bring that to the light find people that will listen and then do life with people yeah that, that care about you because like it's uh. i think that's something i would summarize about ozark that is not really talked about there in the show at all but just how do we apply this whole show to our lives Number one, don't do drugs and don't do drug cartels. And yeah, don't <laughs> launder money. Stay away from all that. But also just look for the light. Like this is a very heavy show to watch, to absorb, to talk about. But I think the practical lesson we could take from it is just like look for the light in life. Look for the best in other people. Have empathy when people are different than you or going through something that seems un, you know, uh, Uncompat, oh. <laughs> something yeah. that you can't have compassion for. Look for the light yeah. of God in them, because again, everyone's made in the image of God. So whether they're a good person, a bad person, a complex person, they have Jesus in them. And if you can look for that part of them, I think we'll all have a little more respect for yeah. each other, and and things will go better. Yeah. And even though Marty had his like focuses, I I do feel like his character genuinely saw the people and people, right? The, yeah. the human, the humanity and people, the the soul and people. And he's like, hey, like I know we're trying to do this, but I just I can't do that to Ruth, or I can't do that to our kids, or right. I can't do that to you, Wendy, or I can't do that to, and and I love his a ability to be able to see the humanity in people and and lean into that space. Um, and not just walk all over people all the time. So yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, good to see the light. And even though, you know, Marty knew he had bad intentions going in, that was a moral compromise to accomplish what he wanted or needed for the family. He, he still didn't hesitate to find the humanity in people and learn people's stories. And he, he really tried to see the light because I think that's what kept him grounded enough to be able to get out of that situation. Totally. Look for the light. Yeah. So two things, if you're done. Um, I could do one more, but okay. I like the way we're like wrapping it up. So if you Absolutely. have a nice, cute little way of like bump, bump, bump. I do at the end. So you go one more and then I'll just, I have like literally one line and then a little thought exercise of just Ooh, a question. And then exercise my brain. It's, it's not that crazy. So no. go ahead. I was going to say the, since we're talking a lot about the gospel and cinema, 
Um, this show does portray Christians and faith a couple different ways. Oof. And I wanted to bring that up. I'm season glad you brought that up. Yeah, season one, they have a pastor um, as a part of one of the characters, and he's preaching in this kind of like, you know, on the water church. So it's the Ozarks, and he's like trying to build his own physical church building. Um, but while that's happening, he has people pull up their boats and they do kind of like church on the lake. And the Snells, you guys know it with the drugs. Yes. And I thought that was interesting. And so he seems like a pretty pure intentioned pastor. Because yeah. um, he almost died and like sacrificed his life, had this awakening. And is like, oh, I want my life to have purpose. Yes. Yes. And so he's out here like trying to preach the good news, unaware that his congregation is smuggling drugs in the Bibles that he passes out and the hymnals every week. And I was just making Mason a, Young is the pastor. Yes. Yeah. And we saw him as an extra in. Oh, what, what was, was that? it? And it took us for a while to play. He was like a pilot or something. No, he was at a party, a college party and a show we watched like. Uh, we'll have to come back Legally to you on Blonde that. or something. It was and something. Or Mean Girls, maybe. Uh, we'll have to find Anyway, it he like had a small cameo in, in something way earlier. And I was like, oh, my gosh, yeah. that's probably before he got any roles. <laughs> yeah. Everyone starts somewhere. But anyway. He's preaching, his congregation smuggling drugs. He doesn't know about it. And I just thought that was an interesting anecdote about the sins of the congregants who still like show up at church and how, again, when we talk about about church in modern day times, everyone's like, oh, I could never go to that church. They're terrible. I'm like, "Mm, actually, I'm not surprised. We're all sinful people. And Jesus is a good God. And the people who go to church are just the ones that have admitted that they're a sinful person. <laughs> like, yeah. that's the main difference. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, say that smuggling drugs in the hymnals is even remotely appropriate. But I am saying that, like, it was an interesting anecdote about the church, I think, kind of hidden in that scene. As well as the cartel is in Mexico and they have this scene in a Catholic cathedral where he mentions faith. This man is like praying to Mother Mary before he eats his food and he's responsible for killing so many people. But again, that masking that, well, let me project like I'm a man of faith to my family here in Mexico, not caring, knowing, or giving a gosh darn flidly fly over how many people I've killed. That was the first time you've ever said that in your life, but yes. Isn't that, isn't that so <laughs> like heartbreaking how Many I mean, it's people. the honesty of the church about how we're broken and we're, we're struggling, but we're growing and but how many people. Is he is yeah, yeah, morally, rationally. Rationalizing. Yeah. He's rationalizing that this death is for some greater good. You know? And then you and get to the thought of like. he's taking God into his own hands. Yes. Right? And then you start to think of like extremists of certain religions who take something that was supposed to be good and then think, well, like my goal is somehow godly and so now it doesn't matter who i kill because i'm doing this in the name of god and that my friends is when we take religion way into the wrong places that it should never be that's all wonderful there's so much to say here. you know why we gave depth such a a big score (laughs) gosh Okay. okay so my two one, I just want to give a shout out to Evan George. Um, Evan yeah, George, Evan. who plays Tuck. Yeah. And I, didn't I even love think about that they Tuck. brought him back in like the fourth season to give Rachel a motivation to turn against Marty and and join Ruth and going against him and getting the 
Um, like I just, I, I love the inclusion of just that character. And I think he was a phenomenal actor and I just, man, it was so good. Yes. I just like want to put him in some of my films because I genuinely thought he was wonderful. Um, so Tuck was like, ah, oh, just pulled on my heartstrings early, but my little mind exercise for you is just a quick little note of something that was unique and something that I would love to do with films and something that uh, is the titles I was, sequences I knew you were of every episode and how they incorporated in the Ozark and spelled out, yeah. um, with images that four. were going to be parts of scenes yes. throughout that episode. It was four It was symbols. the O and then it was... A Z A R K of the symbols, yeah. And well, each episode they had the four yeah. symbols that's what says, that were different. Yeah, yeah. We say says it, so um, I, I meant saying, but yeah. And I just love that little, just like when it happens. Oh, there's the rat. There's the rat. Oh, there's the ladder. Oh, there's the right. And even though it didn't maybe play the biggest thing in each like episode, I was just so like well done and just adding that extra little thing that just made me like appreciate this show because the de- attention to detail was. And I think as a like marketing person, that sounds really bougie. You are like you have a marketing and business and design and film and photography and acting degree. Sure. But when you think of um, buy-in from a user side, that just in in you said Biden. (laughs) When you think of Joe Biden, do you think of the show? Okay. So buy-in. Buy-in. So like the user is watching the first minute of the tv show and they're seeing that title sequence and without even seeing any more it's a free way to create value and intrigue so they're and like oh there's gonna be a race. rat there's yeah. gonna be a paintbrush and there's gonna be an anchor like and so you're just trying to think how will it yeah. all play in before the episode even starts i'm yeah. like okay they're gonna kill someone and time up on an anchor and drown them in the lake of the ozarks and then the ladder they're going to climb up and like and then well, all of it's I, wrong yeah <laughs> and it's wrong but like it invites me into the story yes. to try to anticipate what's going to happen and then when it does i feel included of like oh i knew something was coming with the rat or oh, i knew something was coming totally. with the paintbrush I think so of like cool. I spy books too from being a kid. Oh, That's kind of how I it still feels. Do those. Is like, oh, what? Where's it gonna show up? And and it wasn't cheesy. I think there could have been a lot of times where that would have been seen as like cheeky or something. But yeah. they did a great job. Yeah, I just feel like everything was intentional <sighs> and well done. So good job, Ozark. We crushed this podcast. I'm not gonna lie, there was a uh, ton to get through, and I think we did a great job. Yeah, because I mean, you guys saw it, and so I just wanted to put our two cents in there about like why it hits so deeply. So if you uh, hated it, tell us why you were wrong in the comments. That's true. Um, I don't if know you anyone. Didn't like it? Yeah, tell I us. I don't know anyone who watched Ozark and was like, "That was the worst." Well, that's what I'm saying. If they said, but they, I want to hear. Yeah, did you actually enjoy it? Are we overhyping this show? No, I, we are not. <laughs> uh, we are right. We are professionals. Yeah, and we are the correct. only opinion that matters. So thanks. And genuinely, if you didn't like it, you're just wrong. So, so yeah, thanks for listening and listening in. Yes. And hopefully you got some further, like if you just watched it, maybe as a background show or watched it as like, a, oh yeah, that was okay. And then moved on. Who could watch it as a like, background go show? Go back and watch it with intentional, like lens, uh, an intentional lens of, of depth and humanity and God's design of people and understanding the hu- how complex humans are. And, and I think you'll have a deeper appreciation. Like, yeah, it makes me want to go watch it again. And I, I watched it through two and a half times, at least by my, like my, myself, because I watched it before and I watched it with you. And then I watched at least it the first again. season. The first season, I think I've seen four times. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. Cause, cause again, it like 
I feel like it reflects my writing style and the the way that I want to be with my writing and character development and world building. And, and so I love to watch it to be like, oh, that is, I see that and that is good. And, and so I can maybe go more into that later if I do another, you know, topical of just character yeah. development on this or something. But, and um, speaking of topical, ooh. we wanted to say, um, we love doing those topical podcast episodes. And when we were talking about all the rich things in Ozark, we were like, there's so many things that we could just make into topic podcasts. So that deal you, with cinema, right? To, to yes. just go in line with what we're already doing. So if you have any suggestions as to like, do you want Ian to do a full episode on just character? character? Yeah. yeah. Or if you want to hear us talk more about a specific side of cinema, like plot lines mm. or like should Christians engage with, stuff with nudity or how sexuality plays out in cinema anything like that yeah. i personally have a few topics that i'm excited to i'd love into. to just talk about it so yeah we're not always going to just this has kind of been a new recent thing that we're not going to only just do tv shows and cinema but uh, you guys seem to like some of the topical ones so we're willing totally. to dive into that but we want to know what you want to hear about yes yeah, so drop a comment if you're on youtube with some topics that we should cover and do episodes on or if you are listening on Spotify, go ahead and give us a rating and then drop a comment on your rating on a couple of things you'd want to hear more from us. Absolutely. And then we'll dive into those and we're going to kind of have, you know, different length things. This is one of the longer ones just because this this four seasons worth of commentary. <laughs> and uh, each yeah. episode is an hour. Yeah. Like this it's is like a, a feature film content. Curve. So let us know if you want to hear anything else. Um, but next on the books, I believe we do have the book of Eli. Yes. And this is coming with a wonderful special guest, a dear, dear friend of Chad Austin Kerr from Cleveland. Filmmaker, writer, husband, dude. actor. I hope you heard all of that because we were speaking over each other. <laughs> but uh, he's actually a dear friend, a filmmaking friend as well that um, auditioned for a show that I'm working on. And uh, back in the day when I was doing auditions for the live action one of it. And since then we just kind of hit it off and have, have he's helped me with so many things. He's and also Ian's twin. So you will hear about that <laughs> in our next episode of the book of Eli. Again, yes. we will release a kernel first, uh, given a non-spoiler, you know, pre prefix, pre, prefix. pre, uh, pre episode of uh, a little trailer preview. That's the word I'm looking for <laughs> um, of the book of Eli. We're going to um, give you a prefix, but please stay tuned. The book of Eli is a fun conversation. We are so honored to have Chad Austin Kerr on that one. Yes. But in the please meantime, watch it if you haven't already and you'll be ahead of the game for that. Oh kernel. gosh. Yeah. Before even yeah. the kernel comes out. Yes. So uh, yeah, next is that coming up. But any last thoughts on Ozark before we sign off? It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. Well done to everyone involved in Ozark. You made something that is truly rare in, in today's day and age. Inspiration for yeah. how TV shows can be. You made me yeah. cry. I don't feel like they compromised on story and didn't. I don't feel like they did it for a quick buck. I feel like they really cared about this one. I agree. And so well done. Well done. Let us All help right. you with the next one. Thanks, y'all. We love you. We we'll love you. Ya. Welcome to Cinema Q and Q up. Ozark. <laughs>